I wish I could put my fist through this whole lousy, beautiful town. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Lousy Beautiful Town, where we like to scream about Star Wars and put our fists through things. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other lovely host, Abby. Hello. Hello. I would like to say, um, <laughs> last week, I'm a dum-dum, and I forgot to say congratulations on getting your master's. Yay! Ah, thank you! <laughs> and also congratulations on your new job. Thanks. So many adult things happening to you. I know. I kind of hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I signed up for a 401k today and that I'm never going to get to use because I'm never going to get to retire, but (laughs) you can take it out for other things. That was a very adulty thing. (laughs) True, true, true. You just have to pay taxes. I know. Um, (laughs) Yay, adult things. Let me see here. So speaking of adult things, we are talking about the phantom menace in this episode because it's been 20 years since the phantom menace it's an adult now it's an adult (laughs) (laughs) um and you have a nice little thing that you typed up that (laughs) i think you should read (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna party like it's 1999 So let's take a trip back 20 years ago. Known sexual predator Bill Clinton is acquitted in impeachment proceedings. Pokemon is all the rage in the United States. The Euro is created. Fans of ER are devastated at George Clooney's leaving the show. Nelson Mandela steps down as the president of South Africa. Smash Mouth releases the greatest song of all time, All Star. Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper is put back on display in Milan after 22 years of restoration work. People are freaking the fuck out about Y2K. It's going to be okay, guys. Nothing's going to happen. And Star Wars. You know that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, released on May 16th, is the highest grossing movie of the year. Woohoo! Woo! Do do do. Before we get into that, We have one item of news, which I don't even think is news because I think it was actually announced when this book was announced. We just didn't catch it. (laughs) Um, Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed is going to be a trilogy. So, yay. Um, I feel like I have trilogy. um, Phobia is not the word I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm tired of trilogies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want... I want long series or just single books. Like, I get the monetary reason for why publishers do trilogies, mm-hmm. but come on, man. It's weird. Yeah. Every, there's trilogies everywhere now, and it bothers me. Maybe they'll start going back to the trend of splitting the third one into two parts. So it'll be a quatch. Quad- don't don't make us do fours again. <laughs> don't make us do fours again. <laughs> Quadrally? I don't know. A duology Quartetrally. Quartetrally. Oh my god, I can't even say that. <laughs> oh lord, we have issues with fours. <laughs> Books but four. <laughs> oh lord. There's a title. Um <laughs> So yeah, um, where were you at in 1999? <laughs> um, like May of 1999, I think I was graduating preschool. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. I was in sixth grade, I believe, and mm. 
I vividly remember the Y2K stuff because I was a very anxious child and oh, no. anything that was like, you know, math, I don't know, any doomsday type stuff scared the mm. shit out of me. And so I remember being really worried about Y2K stuff. Like people were legit freaking out about it. Like yeah. the power grid is going to go down. Communications are going to go down. Like we're going to be at war because like other countries are going to like take advantage of our power grid being down and all this crazy shit. And it was like, <laughs> oh my God, the world is ending. And then it was fine. And we were just like, oh. okay. Cool. Yeah, I freaked out over nothing. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was like a running joke for so long. Yeah. Like it was it was pretty funny. But yeah. I remember being pretty scared because I was like twelve years old and I was just like, that could happen. Because <laughs> movies. <laughs> My God. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I was a spry young lass at the yeah. age of four. <laughs> oh, baby Abby. Literally baby, baby yeah. Abby. Yeah. I was 12 my little sister had just been born that february um i had chicken pox that year because oh, no. there was an outbreak of chicken pox in my school and i didn't have it as a kid even though i got a vaccine i still got it and i didn't get to go to winter camp i was very upset <laughs> i had a little white boyfriend who lived <laughs> down the street from me and so i'd go to his house all the time and this might be TMI, but his dad was the pastor of the church of the <laughs> school that I went to. Does that make sense? And mm -hmm. I was always very scared of his family. So I always made him come outside and we'd go for walks. Aww. <laughs> That's cute. And we'd make out. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had a boyfriend in 1999. We didn't make out. Oh, my God. But I have um, pictures from, I'll have to see if I can find them. Um, but I have pictures for my preschool graduation of, like, his arm around me, like, hey, it's my Ooh. girlfriend. I don't even remember what his <laughs> name was. He's a cute little kid. But, yeah, I was always chasing boys. Yeah, I was, too. I was pretty boy crazy. Yeah, this is before I knew I could chase girls, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine what little Abby would be up to now if oh, you were. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to. Like, I was a very flirty little kid like, yeah. I just wanted to be everybody's friend and I wanted to be everybody's girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> I used to get in trouble in preschool because I'd run around trying to kiss boys on the playground so that's funny a... we used to play when I was in sixth grade we played spin the bottle like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. on the playground but we would like hide I don't know it, <laughs> it was so dumb we were dumb we were in elementary school but yeah I found one photo of myself that maybe we'll post it's of me at my sixth grade graduation with a bunch of my friends and I'm just I'm so small <laughs> well, your sixth grade graduation my preschool graduation oh my god I can't believe you're that much younger than me I always forget <laughs> like I feel like I'm not that old but I really am you're not that old <laughs> yeah you you just remind me that I am <laughs> a lot <laughs> hey listen I just signed up for a 401k today I'm old too <laughs> <laughs> we're not here to talk about 401k <laughs> we're going to talk about the phantom menace because it's it's 20th birthday it was released on may 16th so we're a little late no a little early mm -hmm. wait what is today it's the 13th today this will come out on the 15th so yeah so we're a day early so that you can celebrate this thursday by watching The Phantom Menace after you listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to talk a little bit about 
what the Phantom Menace means to us, what's changed, what hasn't changed, uh, what we love about it, what was bad about it, and how you guys felt. So we got a lot of listener responses, and um, we'll get to those at the end. But first, let's talk about how much Star Wars has changed since The Phantom Menace came out. Um, let's talk about canon, first of all. <laughs> I, there's a lot of it. <laughs> like, I know there was a lot with Legends books, but I mean, like, the way that canon has formed now, and it's not just movies and books, it's movies, books, TV shows, comics, video games, all sorts of these things all integrating into one of each other. Like, I feel like we've never seen this kind of multimedia marketing come from a franchise before. And all of that has changed in a pretty short span of 20 years, which is wild. Yeah, it reminds me, um, I mean, Marvel has kind of been doing this, but just not as well <laughs> because they don't they don't really loop their TV shows into their canon, essentially. Like, they're mm -hmm. on a very similar continuity, but they're not quite there. Like, the TV shows are not as integrated into the films as, let's say, Star Wars, like Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars is to, and, and Resistance is to the films. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I feel like Marvel just has, like, they have it on a huge scale, which is what makes it so different from Star Wars. But Star Wars has it in so many different mediums. Like, right. if you tried to, like make Marvel comics have continuity with the films okay. and the TV shows, like it would just be a disaster because there's just so many, there's so many people that are involved in it and comics are fucking weird. Yeah. Um, whereas with star Wars, it's like when Disney, when they, the Disney acquisition came around, they just like, like made everything mm -hmm. from then on out Canon. And then they just specified like what was considered Canon and what wasn't like, Aren't some of the comics not considered canon that are still running? Or is that not the, is that not true? I'm not a hundred percent sure, to be honest. If like there's any like dark dark horse stuff still going, um, that's not canon. I think anything okay. under the Marvel logo umbrella, yeah, is canon. Okay, okay. I'm not as familiar with the comics mm. either. I want to be, but I don't like Marvel comics. So there we are. <laughs> I don't want to give them my money. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like you said, so much has changed in 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like we went from having like no star Wars to George Lucas being like, I want to make prequels to the Phantom Menace coming out. And now we're like almost done with a third film and another trilogy. And there's two TV, three TV shows out mm -hmm. to like, non-trilogy films out there's like another television show a live action show in the works it's like there's so much stuff coming out there's so many books there's so many comics I don't know if you remember you might have been a little young but it was a fucking mess for a <laughs> long time like legends books are just a fucking mess the comics were a mess I like some of the comics like I really like the legacy comics mm. um and I like some of the books, like I used to read the Young Jedi Order mm -hmm. stuff when I was a kid that I really enjoyed, but like it's all a fucking mess <laughs> and I feel like it's so much better now. Like it's so much more accessible yeah. um, 
to start somewhere. Like you can find something that you like and it can introduce you to all the rest of the stuff right. if you want to go that deep, but you don't have to. Right. right. <laughs> I feel like if you would, well, if you told four-year-old me, I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But if you told young <laughs> Abby growing up with the prequels that in not such a, in, in a short amount of time, like there might be too much Star Wars to consume. Um, I probably would have been like, uh, that's a lie. That can't happen. <laughs> There's no such thing. And now, like you're saying, we have so much stuff. Like, yeah. eventually we're going to come to a point where something in Star Wars isn't for us. And I, for a lot of people, that, that already has existed. But I was I had this on the brain, and I'm sure you did too, uh, specifically with, we talked about it last week, but with Benioff and Weiss, like, if they still get their shit, like, I'm not watching it. And that, that idea, yeah. if you would have told me that when I was young and the prequels were coming out, that there would come a time that I didn't want to watch a Star Wars thing, I probably would have laughed. I even feel like a year or two ago, if yeah. like, when this was announced, I was like, oh, no, I have to watch this stupid show or this stupid series of movies with these guys. And now I don't feel obligated at all because there's so much other stuff coming out right. of it. There's plenty of things to feed me. Right, right. <laughs> So that's like general canon. Mm -hmm. Like the one thing about the fan, I think about all the prequels in general, but <laughs> specifically the Phantom Menace, like George, we've started to realize that George Lucas doesn't care about continuity, <laughs> which fucking baffles me. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you can create a world and just be like, eh, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that was a line of dialogue in the original trilogy, but we're just going to change what happens and no one's going to notice. <laughs> Everybody noticed. <laughs> Yoda wasn't really Obi-Wan's master. Like, there's so many things. Yeah. I can't, like, I'm sure there's an Excel spreadsheet out there of all the things that are, like, not continuous, which is ironic considering, like, where we're at today, where we're trying to make a continuous universe. Right. Like, and he just is like, man, like, I don't care if Leia said she can remember her mother. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> she died. It's fine. Oh, she died in the sands. You put in the notes, every generation has a legend. Yeah, so a lot. I, like a lot of other people, went back and rewatched the Phantom Menace trailer, um, which, goddamn, have trailers come a long way. Right. Because <laughs> this trailer sucked. <laughs> it's just so wild, like, seeing a trailer not having, like, these very trailer-y moments that you know you're gonna get kind of thing like the beats happen and somebody's punching somebody on the beat or whatever um yeah but this like and like this trailer revealed so much of the movie that it shouldn't have um <laughs> but it starts off with every generation has a legend the re the revenge mm, the rise of skywalker also starts with every generation has a legend um which i thought that was just it, like poetry it rhymes yeah it's just completing the circle mm -hmm. i love it and i didn't know that that's what i wanted from the rise of skywalker right? but here i am it makes perfect sense right. we kind of talked about this when we talked about rise of skywalker that like if you had told us a couple of months ago that palpatine was coming back we'd be like are you fucking kidding me but now we're like it completes the saga yeah it makes it it whole. does and it's really really beautiful that this that the, the phantom menace came out 20 years ago and here the rise of skywalker is completing the saga 20 years uh, later oh it's just it just gives me chills i don't yeah. e i don't even know if that was intended or like what but it's it's great um 
and it's fun to like go back and reflect on this film and knowing that Rise of Skywalker is coming eventually. Yeah. It's still not soon, but <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> so let's talk about fandom. Mm-hmm. So obviously you were not around 20 years ago in fandom to know how ridiculous it was. I was vaguely on um, like message boards and forums and stuff, but not a ton because I was kind of like not as into online Star Wars then mm-hmm. as I am now, but it's the same <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Like everyone was super excited when this movie came out and there's just a lot of stuff that people hated and it sucks. Um, Ahmed Best was, and um, uh, Jake Lloyd were basically just like bullied out of public life for decades. Yeah. Like Jake Lloyd is still not really around. Ahmed Best is just now coming back around. And I think it's with a lot of encouragement from social media and like young fans mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you, like people in your age group that saw the prequels like as young kids. Yeah. And are like, no, we love Jar Jar. Like, we love Ahmed Best. Like, come back and do more Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> or just come yeah. back. <laughs> I wanted to bring up Ahmed Best's um, series of videos on YouTube called, he calls them Field Notes. And he has like 17 or 18 now, which I didn't realize he had that many. <laughs> I am not <laughs> caught up. But basically, he it's just um, like a like a vlog about his musings about fandom and Star Wars and Hollywood and racism and harassment and all kinds of things. And he's basically trying to write like a one man show. And he, this is like the thoughts that are coming up as he's writing. And so he, he, if you watch this video on YouTube, it's called field notes one. Mm -hmm. It's, so emotional and the second one field notes two is super emotional too but this one is he talks about how it was really important that he show his face when he's giving this commentary because he's a black man Mm -hmm. that works in hollywood and he talks about how because jar jar was coded as black it made it acceptable for people to hate him and to treat him like how they treated Mm -hmm. him I just think about Kelly Marie Mm -hmm. Tran and how not much has changed. Like there's this Asian woman that gets bullied off of social media for just being Asian. And because she's an Asian woman that's not fitting into a character that they Mm -hmm. like, it's okay for them to treat her like this. Like they, they make it okay (laughs) in their mind for her to be treated like Mm -hmm. this. And it sucks. It's like, I think a lot of people thought, with Obama's presidency that like racism was going Um, away. (laughs) Like I know I wasn't one of those people because I live in a very diverse city and I was like, no, that's not the case. Like it's, it's out and it's loud and it's proud and it fucking sucks because it's been 20 years and we're still here. Right. So I don't know. I know there's a lot of things about Jar Jar that people were not Mm -hmm. happy about the way he was portrayed and we can talk about that a little bit later about some of the caricatures sure. yeah. <laughs> from this film, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like it, that does not justify the type of bullying that he received because he didn't receive bullying because they thought that he was a racist caricature. They re- he received bullying because they didn't like the character right. and they thought he was annoying. Right. Like, and he was a black man and the character was coded as black. And so it made it acceptable for him to have that kind of uh-huh. harassment. And that yeah. sucks. That's kind of depressing to think about that 
fandom still is just as toxic as it was 20 (laughs) years ago. But if you think about it, like elections were just as toxic at the founding of the nation that they are now. They're probably like more petty (laughs) back then than they are now. Like (laughs) people are fucking having duels and shit. Like it's just the the way we engage in that pettiness or that toxicity has changed. Like even though there was a huge Everybody knew that people hated The Phantom Menace because people didn't shut the fuck up about it for years. Yeah. But I feel like it wasn't quite as big as the hate with The Last Jedi. And I think it's because of the internet and Twitter and lots of people who wouldn't have had platforms in 1999 because it was more difficult, um, especially to have a platform where you could show your face that was not existent. Yeah. <laughs> um, YouTube wasn't around then, obviously. Uh, and, and now that we, we have that where podcasting is accessible to a lot of people, YouTube is, Twitter is accessible to anybody with an internet connection, that it just makes it seem like it's 10 times worse when in reality it's kind of been this way all along. And it's funny, Ahmed Best talks about this in his video in the first um, Field Notes video about how um, it's so mm-hmm. easy now to harass people and to have an opinion. But back then it was like you had to yeah. work to make a website like WordPress wasn't a thing like they didn't have like these themes that you could just use and just plug in shit like you had to mm-hmm. code your websites and people m- worked to make shit that was like we hate Jar Jar Binks like Jar Jar Binks must die like we hate the Phantom God. Menace like people put in work to show how much they hated this film whereas like nowadays like yeah people still do that like people make fucking YouTube series about I mean there's certain people that we mm-hmm. shall not name <laughs> that makes series about how much they hate characters and how much they hate movies right. with women in them mm-hmm. that's like you put that's your where your time and right. energy is going in towards that like okay but but i mean like we still have that but also it's very easy to not put a lot of energy into just tweeting out i fucking hate jar jar right. binks you know it takes two seconds out of right. your day <laughs> like i don't know that just kind of it just kills me like the amount of emotional energy you have to put into vehemently hating something and being you know having a platform for it like i i'm exhausted thinking about it it's just like i'm i've always been kind of like an angry person part of that is my bipolar disorder and like it takes so much energy to be angry all the time and I just, yeah, I can't imagine like, pouring my creativeness into that too. Cause I feel like that would just kill me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when we had our Star Wars Rep Matters day on Friday about Asian American Pacific Islander representation, cause it's Asian Pacific, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage mm-hmm. Month. Wow, that's <laughs> a lot of words. Anyway, um, some, I was like celebrating Rose Tico and some guy was in my mention saying like, no, she's, this isn't a good example. She was a terrible character. Like, I didn't like her. Like, you need to choose these other examples. Well, Jess, his Asian <laughs> wife told him so. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, what? I mean, he ended up apologizing like in a DM, which was really, it was mm-hmm. nice of him. Um, but the damage yeah. had already been done. Like, you already showed your true self, mm-hmm. dude. Like, <laughs> It's just like, okay, you're going out of your way. You don't even follow yeah. me. Ew. You're going out of your way to tell me how much you hated The Last Jedi when I'm talking about representation and how important it is to have an Asian American woman on screen, even if you don't like her right. character. 
how important it is to have a black man, even as a CGI character, Mm -hmm. in 1999 in Star Wars. Wow. And speaking of CGI, (laughs) like, Jar Jar Binks paved the way for CGI. Like, you wouldn't have James Cameron's Avatar, which no one would be sad if we didn't have it. But (laughs) you wouldn't have it if not for Jar Jar Binks. We wouldn't have Lupita as Mazda, like so many things. We wouldn't have this de-aging technology that is so good now. We wouldn't have 90 Samuel Jackson in 2019. Oh my God, so good. (laughs) And Agent Coulson's really bad hair. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. I had a dream last night that I was in love with Coulson and it was like... Um, we had superpowers, but when we came together, our superpowers combined were like more, they were stronger. And so we could defeat the aliens that were okay, invading. Okay, that's really wholesome. It was like Hancock, but reversed. <laughs> did you, did I you did, ever see and Hancock? I'm kind of, I'm kind of into yeah. this. Somebody write the fic. <laughs> Jess and Colson. Jess and Agent Colson. <laughs> It was really weird. I woke up. It totally made sense when I was dreaming it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this totally makes sense. And I woke up and I was like, really? Coulson? Like, of all people? <laughs> yeah. Not um, Thor? Not, I couldn't like, Thor. Not Chris Evans? <laughs> like, Coulson? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, it's a little weird. Speaking of weird things <laughs> that we love, let's talk about what we love about the Phantom Menace. My first point is just Padme, 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 Padme. <laughs> she <laughs> she's one of my favorite characters of all time. And actually one of our listeners put it into words that I had a hard time putting into myself, which we'll get to later. Um, what she means to me. Of like, you know, yeah, of course I had Leia and oh God, I look up to Leia like nobody's business. But I also felt like, <laughs> I, like I grew up with Padme. Like the prequels yeah. were coming out as I was growing up and was growing up with her. <clears throat> Something about that was really special to see this woman who valued her femininity, but was also badass and did what she wanted and took charge and cared about other people and fought for social justice and equal rights and i think that had a really big impact on me yeah padme amidala (laughs) our queen um and then one that we both have oh you also had padme on yours i do i was a little older though which it's kind of weird because i was like around the same Mm -hmm. age as padme so you'd think that it would have like a bigger impact on me but i was very much like i was a very Mm -hmm. much a tomboy when i was that age like I was into sports and I hung out with a lot of little boys and it wasn't cool when I was that age to like be Mm -hmm. into girly stuff. Padme is a very feminine character. Like she's all about costume and like being womanly and yeah, she has this like badass streak about her, but um, even then it's like in a very feminine way and she's just not the type of character that Mm -hmm. I was drawn to when I was that age. Um, Leia was for whatever reason even though she's just she has the same like femininity as Padme like there's not really much different about her in that sense but um, there's something about like the setting that Leia's in where it's a very like Mm -hmm. war torn desperate more desperate Mm -hmm. setting Um, whereas Padme is like in the world of politics it just um, I was just more drawn to Leia for whatever reason it sucks that like I was so indoctrinated by the patriarchy that I couldn't even enjoy this great character that was like prime 
prime <laughs> eating for my age <laughs> to like to like be a great role model and I was just kind of like oh she's cool but I'm more interested in mm-hmm. Obi-Wan because he's a boy and like the boys get all the cool roles yeah. in the films right now poor patriarchy indoctrinated 12 year old Jess it's okay 12 year old <laughs> Jess you will save yourself one day I yeah, yeah I woke up at some point that's what happens um but yeah, the one thing that we both had on here is the music. Oh my god. Uh, Duel of the Fates makes me want to die it's in the best so way possible. Good. <laughs> like, like, who thought we would have gotten something like that right. in Star Wars? Like, who would have thought? This, like This giant oh my god. choral piece, I think that's what gets us the most, is like... George, or George Lucas, Jesus Christ. Um, John Williams doesn't pull out a, a, a choir that often. And so when he yeah. does, it makes a statement. Like the the ones I can think of off the top of my head are the Emperor's Theme, Duel of Fates, mm-hmm. Augie's Great Municipal Band, which we'll get to. <laughs> I want to talk about that one. Um, and uh, Padme's Ruminations and uh, Anakin versus yeah. Obi-Wan. So like oh, these God. are all these, and then like the Ewoks singing and stuff like that. But I don't feel like that counts because Jess hates it them doesn't. because she hates fun. <laughs> <laughs> but like when George, when John Williams, I keep almost calling him George Lucas. What the hell? When John Williams, who is far better than George Lucas and is free to play jazz to me and call me baby anytime. <laughs> when John Williams pulls out a choir, you know he means something. Oh, and it's yeah. usually that emotion, that kind of desperation he's trying to pull out of you. He doesn't use a choir lightly. And it was a super like powerfully written just like the the way that I don't know how to explain this because I'm not a vocalist, but the openness of the vocal tones mm-hmm. versus like vibrato and all that stuff, like it just makes it like it's it's this religious experience yeah. almost. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was doing a little bit of research, and by research I mean looking at the Wikipedia page for it, um, <laughs> and that's what it was meant to be. Like you were, it was it was like a religious piece, and I was reading that the the lyrics actually came from an old Welsh poem. Like parts of it came from an old Welsh poem that I can't pronounce in Welsh, but um, that it translates into the Battle of the Trees, and I guess it's like this story about a warrior who enchanted the trees to fight back against this tyrant, which I thought was kind of cool. And then it's translated into Sanskrit, which I think I don't know. That was really interesting to me as a little history nerd. I'm like oh, into it. <laughs> There's things about that that make me uncomfortable, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's still really cool yeah. and it sounds beautiful. Yeah. Um, music is one of those things that there's a lot of cultural appropriation that goes all around in circles, mm-hmm. like internationally, and everyone kind of like is like cool with it. So I don't know. I don't know if that's changing now, if people are starting to be like, hey, that's not cool, or if we're just cool with borrowing from different musical modalities Mm. and languages and and styles it's interesting to think about it's an interesting conversation that we're not going to have right now but yeah maybe someday so let's talk about this other thing that you put in the notes that you like having Anakin be young 
Um, Because I know this is controversial for a lot of people for The Phantom Mm -hmm. Menace. Like, people thought he should have been a little bit older. It would have made the romance between him and Padme a little bit more palatable for some people. Yeah, (laughs) like, that that makes sense (laughs) in terms of the romance. (laughs) But, like, at the same time, like, they don't get together when he's nine and she's 14. Yeah. So that makes me feel a little better. But then at the same time, like, he's, what, 19 when she's 24? Yeah, 24. Yeah. And like honestly, as as a 24-year-old, I could never imagine being in a relationship with a 19-year-old, but I also don't live in space in the galaxy far far away <laughs> in a very operatic kind of themed world. <laughs> you mean you don't live in a space opera? Oh, I fucking wish I did. That's that's continuously at war. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not that part. But <laughs> your girl likes to be dramatic and she also likes space. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you don't have to tell me yeah. I, my username is literally space jet <laughs> but um i don't i don't okay so a long time ago in a galaxy far far away um I, I i think i got the idea to watch this series on youtube um from another youtube channel i watch game grumps where one of them was talking about they were talking about Star Wars, and one was like, hey, have you seen the, the series of videos called, like, what if the prequels were good? Okay. Yeah. So I watched them because I was, like, I was interested in what this person had to say. And, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> the writing was not a good idea. Like, the idea was that it would change the center from Anakin to be on Obi-Wan, which I think a lot of people would have liked. But to also make Anakin older and like like a preteen teenager in the phantom menace and he'd be a very broody moody kind of guy and i think that's what people usually are wanting out of the phantom menace they don't i I think that's one of the big problems that they have is they see this young nine-year-old boy who is cheerful and happy and has a big heart and cares about his mother and cares about qui-gon and padme these people who he's just met and makes droids so that they can help his mom and i think that makes anakin's story all the more tragic because anakin's story isn't about how a bad person can become more bad it's about how even a good person who has every right to be a bad person because of the circumstances into which anakin was born he had every right to be angry and bitter because he was a slave but he's not Mm. and I think it's more tragic to see how a good person can become bad with the best of intentions. So I actually kind of like Anakin being young. It doesn't bother me that he's young. I think that's important that we see him when he's mm-hmm. young. Mine is more about being comfortable with him and Padme's relationship sure. in the next film. Sure. No, 100% fair. <laughs> because it takes on this like it takes on this like element of creepiness, which I think it's supposed to. Yeah. That he's been, like, pining for her for 10 years and, like, obsessed with her. And that creates this whole thing where that's why he turns to the dark side, essentially. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of the point. But also, it's uncomfortable for me to watch. So, that's just my own problem. But um, I do think it's important that we see him when he's young. Because, like, little serial killers, they're still kids. (laughs) Like, little serial killers. Serial killers. They're still kids. (laughs) 
<laughs> like they were still kids at one point. Like they still were ch- children. They were babies. Like they had mothers, or maybe maybe they didn't, um, depending on their circumstances. Mm-hmm. But they were still young at some point. And I think um, what I really like about the Harry Potter series is how they show like Tom Riddle and his like background Mm -hmm. and how he was like a very troubled child and Anakin is very much not that child like he's not troubled he's not he's not killing animals in his backyard like he's not a little sociopath like he's like you said he just has a big heart and he just wants to help people and that's what pulls him into this story, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, if he would have been this troubled kid, Qui-Gon would have been like, mm, we're not fucking right, around with right. that. Like, let's move on to the next slave house. <laughs> like, <laughs> the next young mechanic. Or they, would have been, they would have tagged him to be, like, dark side material, right, like, easily. Right. And just been like, no, we're not fucking with that. We're not cultivating right. that. But it's interesting that Yoda and, and Mace Windu see that side of him mm-hmm. as being possible. It's like, well, that's possible in any human right. being, any being like that dark. That's the point is like having, and it's, it's weird that like the Jedi council takes young kids mm-hmm. when they're like, you know, barely of an age of understanding of like identity and, and self mm-hmm. and, anything that's going on around them and they cultivate them into these, these beings, these powerful beings um, that serve this purpose for the, the, the galaxy. And they kind of don't get a choice in that. And here we have an actual child that is given a choice and he still chooses, you know, he wants to try Mm -hmm. and he wants to try to do the right thing. And he still fails. Right. Like, it's very relatable, I personally It is, because shit happens. Right. Like, life right. happens. Like, I, re- I remember writing this thread on Twitter a long time ago when there was some sort of drama going on, <laughs> of course, like where people were being assholes to Kylo Ren fans and all of that, um, that I was like, I relate to Anakin a lot. Like, sometimes so much that I feel yeah. like it hurts, because I... I understand the need to protect the ones that I love and will do almost anything to do that. But that could, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, yeah, I know. And I totally get that people relate to Kylo Ren and like, I mean, we can, I think we should do a whole episode on that to be honest, after Rise of Skywalker comes out, just because I think it's Kylo Ren is both boring and fascinating to me <laughs> for multiple reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and I feel like this next film is either going to make or break that character mm-hmm. for me. Like, they could either do him really well or they could just jump the sure, shark. Sure, sure. <laughs> so we'll see. Speaking of darkness, mm-hmm. we got Darth yeah. Maul and Palpatine in this film. I mean, Palpatine's in, in the original trilogy too. But I don't think that Palpatine. I mean, the Emperor is fucking mm-hmm. scary. Like, he scared the hell out of me in. The last, or the last one, <laughs> Return of the Jedi, um, when I was a kid, because that was the first film I saw, and he will always kind of terrify me, but also fascinate me. And it was really cool to see him just as like a senator, and him already manipulating everybody and pulling the strings, and being the reason that all of this chaos is happening mm-hmm. on Naboo and around Naboo, and just setting these events into motion. And then like we got this like demon looking character that's like this Sith that's so badass that has a double bladed lightsaber that kills a Jedi (laughs) like we haven't seen that before 
and he has this really cool theme music uh, <laughs> to go yeah. along with him. And he's just like this dark, mysterious character that is highly skilled. And oh, my God, I love Darth Maul so much. And I'm so glad, as crazy as it was, that he was brought back in Clone Wars. I'm so <laughs> glad he was because I was so like, even as a 12 year old, I was like, what a waste of a villain. Like mm-hmm. he, he could have been so cool to like have back in another film. And he's chopped in half. But it's Star Wars. So that doesn't matter. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bring him back. No. How did you feel about Maul and Palpatine when you were young? I don't remember being scared of Maul. Like, I was scared of Vader when I was young. Maybe I probably was at some point. I think the mask that Vader wears has a really yeah. big, um, like, that's that's a really scary element to kids. Because there's, like, this element of, like, what's yeah, behind yeah, that mask? Yeah, yeah. Like, is it scarier than what the mask right. is? And I, because I was scared of Vader when I was mm-hmm. a kid, too. But Well, and I think part yeah. of the the not so scared of Maul is like he was everywhere then and like every little kid dressed as him for Halloween for years still do um (laughs) and I love when those kids come to my house I give them extra candy and (laughs) um like you just you kind of became desensitized to Maul um when I was younger I didn't give a dick about Palpatine (laughs) (laughs) but like now that I'm older and can appreciate that he's a shitty person, but a fucking genius, as well as understanding the kind of parallels that George Lucas was trying to connect through Star Wars to what was going on in our current political climate in the early 2000s. I appreciate it a lot more. <laughs> just makes Dick yep. Cheney the devil. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's what we were drawing yeah, a parallel well, to. It's kind I of amazing. mean... <laughs> Um, I found this message board from 1998, and this guy says, hear me now and listen to me later. At the end of the movie, there will occur a subtle scene in which Palpatine is revealed as Sidious, the Phantom Menace. All the evidence points in that direction. It would explain a lot. The next comment under that is, not sure about that one. (laughs) Next one is, Sidious is Palpatine? Mm, Don't think so. And, like, oh a good God. majority of these are, like, I don't think that's true. It's just hilarious. Which means that they did a good job. Yeah. Um, I love that scene at the very end where it's, like, who's the other? The master or the apprentice? Or who is Maul, the master mm-hmm. or the apprentice? And then it goes, pans to Palpatine's face in fiery shadows. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. But that's when we also get Augie's great municipal band, which is the last track of, of the soundtrack, which plays during their big celebration where Boss Nass gets the ball that makes like your hair stand up when you touch it. And it was like, <laughs> peace. <laughs> the children's chorus that's singing, they're singing in a major key. And when you put their notes that they're singing into a minor key, it's the emperor's theme. Oh, it's so just cool. when I I remember like learning that for the first time, and like if you just look it up on YouTube, like Emperor's Theme, Augie's Great Municipal Band, like you can hear it. It it blew my goddamn mind. Because yeah, it's it's oh George George. <laughs> God, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. <laughs> John Williams is a fucking mm-hmm. genius, like in so many ways. One day we'll have like a, a, a music-ish episode and I'll talk about my thing that I died about over Across the Stars and John Williams's musical genius. But yes, 
it's it's really cool how he used that. He just put it in a major key and made it into a celebration because it is a celebration for Sidious. It's the start of his plans. Oh my god. Oh my god. Have have you read um the Plagueis I book? I have not. I should do that. Um people people either love it or hate it and it's not considered canon anymore, mm-hmm. but it's basically about all the behind the scenes stuff that was going on during the Phantom Menace with Plagueis and um, how they set the Trade Federation drama in motion. And it makes it so much more meaningful Mm -hmm. to have that backstory and like just knowing what Palpatine was like when he was younger. It's really interesting. And to see where his master was coming from and how his uh, Plagueis was kind of like just this um, mad scientist type. He wasn't necessarily like evil i don't think palpatine was the one who was like no we're taking over this Mm -hmm. shit like (laughs) this is what we're doing um and Plagueis was just kind of like well i just want to live forever and be powerful Mm. and i don't know it was it was it's it's interesting um i'm i'm curious if they're ever going to do a prequel type story about palpatine with Plagueis. that'd be interesting i would really enjoy especially after the rise of skywalker that would be great (laughs) Oh my god! Even if it was like animated Ooh. with um, Ian McDermott doing the voice, like I would be fine with that. Nice, into it. Um, let's talk about Shmi. Yeah, I just love Shmi. <laughs> um, I think she is one of the characters with the biggest heart in the entire Star Wars series. The the kinds of the the kind of quotes that we get from her, I feel like echo throughout the galaxy and throughout the saga. Like the one that kills me the most is it's Anakin saying, "Mom, you always say that the biggest problem in the galaxy is that no one helps each other." And I just feel like that sets up everything because then her grandchildren go on to help save the galaxy, and it's just really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and be brave. Don't look back. Don't look back will always rip my heart out especially i think it's in the revenge of the revenge god bless america return of the jedi (laughs) um junior (laughs) novelization um there's a, a passage in there where it's like darth vader basically becoming anakin skywalker again and he hears faintly Shmi in the back of his head. And in my mind, it was always her saying, be brave and don't look back. And then he throws the emperor. He yeets the emperor <gasps> into the Death Star. <laughs> Amazing. And every time I hear it, Yeet. I die. <laughs> I just, I oh, love Shmi. Beautiful. And she's, I, I can't remember if we said, if I said this last week or another episode, but I think she's one of the most important Skywalkers. People forget about her. And it's bullshit because she is the original Skywalker. So she is. Yeah. There is a part in Thrawn Alliances. Is that the name of the book? Yes. I think mm. the next, the, the most recent Thrawn novel that came out yeah. where Anakin and Thrawn have teamed up yeah. in the Clone Wars era. And then Vader and Thrawn are teamed up in like the, I don't want to say modern era, but like post the Imperial era. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just call it that. Um, and Thrawn figures out that like he, he realizes that it's the same person somehow, mm-hmm. but um, um the Chiss have four sensitive beings also like the Jedi, but they're called, in the Chiss language, Skywalkers. So Whoa. when he first, yeah. And so when he first meets Anakin, he's like, wait, what's your last name? What's your name? He's like, Anakin Skywalker. And he's like, that's very interesting. We call our force sensitive beings Skywalkers. And so 
I mean, there's so many ramifications for that for the rise of Skywalker, uh-huh. but also it makes me wonder, like, what's the significance with Shmi having that name? It just makes me want to know more about her and, like, where the fuck did she get this name from? Uh-huh. You can't see me right now, but, like, my mouth is, like, wide open, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yes. Like, I just, I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, But, yeah, like, and I just, I love her. She's such an important character because she is just this quiet strength mm. that we don't see a lot of. I think Mon Mothma has a very similar quiet strength mm-hmm. that she does. One of the only other women that we see that has this. Mm-hmm. But just, like, her conversation with Qui-Gon when she's like, mm-hmm. Anakin can help you, like, and he should help you. Like, right, right. <laughs> just that line just gets me every time. Like, you can see the conflict on her face of, like, the mother versus, like, trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, what, you know, she knows that Anakin is the only one that can make this right. right. But also that means she might lose him. And, oh, just having to make that choice. Mm-hmm. like just kills me every time okay those are all the things that we loved (laughs) um let's talk about some things that were not great about (laughs) the phantom menace in hindsight i feel like at the time people talked about them but also we talk about them more now Mm -hmm. and it's it's a better conversation i think it's more layered and complex and nuanced Mm -hmm. so let's talk about cultural appropriation yeah I was going to say, this is something that's difficult sometimes because cultural appropriation has been a part of cinema since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like normal right. now. Right. Like you think about like all of the samurai type things that were taken from Japanese culture and put into the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like Darth Vader's costume is based off of samurai armor. Um like Luke is wearing a gi in, in, in a new home. Luke is going to karate class. Right? Like, that is literally that outfit. Like, I own that outfit. It is in my closet when I go to karate. Like, I don't do karate anymore. But anyway, um, like, there's so many things. Just, like, the, the idea of kendo with, like, the lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Like, having this, like this type of martial art as part of your warrior class, like the whole thing where it's almost like they're like Shaolin monks. Mm -hmm. The Jedi are like Shaolin monks. They live this very ascetic lifestyle um, separated from, from the rest of society and they protect society and they have this martial art associated with them and the spirituality, like that's cultural appropriation is like when you take elements from cultures and you profit off of them Mm -hmm. without benefiting said culture or anyone from said culture. So there's no Japanese creatives associated with the original trilogy. Um, The Phantom Menace in particular has tons of (laughs) Indian and South Asian influence Mm -hmm. and how many South Asian actors or creatives are associated with this film? Like very Mm -hmm. few, Mm -hmm. if any. Yeah. So that's where it becomes a problem. Like all of the designs of Padme's yeah. costumes is very like some of it's very like geisha looking mm-hmm. or um, South Asian, like I'm thinking like uh, Indian, like wedding mm-hmm. <laughs> looking stuff. Um, there's a lot of native appropriation, like from Tatooine, mm-hmm. like it's not great, but it's something Star Wars has been doing from the beginning. So it's just kind of accepted now and it kind of sucks. Like it's something that we need to we need to talk about Mm -hmm. because if you're going to put these elements in your films to make this um 
this fantasy universe. You can't just take from cultures that this might have a really significant meaning to them, mm-hmm. to this particular culture, and just place it in your universe and not give any credit or any credence to um, someone from that culture. Right. And then you then you make billions of dollars off of these films. Right, right, right. <laughs> and none of that goes to anyone actually from that culture. That's my soapbox. That was a beautiful soapbox. <laughs> but the line, I mean, the lines are blurred because, like, um, you think about music, mm-hmm. like the whole thing with sans- the the Welsh poem being translated into Sanskrit, mm-hmm. like. Technically, that's cultural appropriation, but it's a, like in music, it's a little bit more accepted for people to do stuff like mm-hmm. that, like to to take and borrow from from different musical themes and, and languages and cultures like that's done all the mm-hmm. time. Like pop artists, like I'm thinking of like Katy Perry and like Prince and Michael Jackson and like all of these like really famous artists like have all borrowed from from different cultures mm-hmm. and it. It's complicated because, like, Michael Jackson is a black man. Prince is a black man. Like, Katy Perry's a woman. Like, these are all people that typically don't get a leg up in society because they're not white Mm men. But also they're making a lot of money off of all of this. So, I don't know. It's I don't have an answer for what's appropriate and what's Mm -hmm. not. Um, Nor should you be expected to. (laughs) Right. But I just think it's important to think about and to have that conversation. That, that we be more open about that and more conscious of that when some of these films are being created, like we're creating the films. Lucasfilm <laughs> should be more conscious of it when they're creating the films and and costume design and set design mm-hmm. and things like that. Anyway, let's talk about the racist caricatures in this film that a lot of people had yes. a problem with. Um, the Nemoidians, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Gungans, mm-hmm. particularly Jar Jar, and I feel like there's one Watto. more. Yes, Watto. Mm-hmm. So... The Nemoidians are based off of this, like, Asian type of, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I don't even know what to call them. Like, (laughs) yeah, the speech, the cadence of speech, the type of accent that they're using and um, the type of characters they're playing, like these, you know, Asian mastermind villains that are like, you know, a bureaucracy get out to get. I don't know, like social fucking Chinese communism is a thing during this time in our history. Mm -hmm. Like Vietnam was a thing for a long time. Like it's really easy to like put these characters into those under that lens and just be like, oh yeah, it's it's easy to see that and it's offensive. Right. Right. Gungans. (laughs) They they kind of have a very um, minstrel quality about them. Yep. And that they're. They're made to laugh at. They're made to not seem intelligent, as Qui-Gon so blatantly puts forward to us. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Yeah. Qui-Gon uh, is a fucking racist asshole in this film, Qui-Gon by the way. When I sucks. rewatched it, I was like, God damn, dude. Like, calm I, down. <laughs> I don't like Qui-Gon Jinn. I don't either. But Oh I my god, yay! <laughs> I think he's a dick. Like, he is! I mean, I think a lot of Jedi are dicks, but him yeah, in particular. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him and his half up do. Um bun ish. Yeah. <laughs> hippie fucker. Oh my god. 
but yeah yeah so um i think minstrel is a perfect word to use for the gungans because i mean historically minstrels have been associated with like blackface Mm -hmm. and like all kinds of horribly racist Mm -hmm. type themes <laughs> and mm-hmm. like black people being this minstrel entertainer type that are like that's that's all they're good for type of thing and just like the type of caribbean accent or style yeah. of accent that they have and it's they're seen as the more um i guess they're like the indigenous species but the more primitive yeah there we go that's the word i was looking for mm-hmm. um even though they're not <laughs> right like, right as we see like they are quite advanced mm-hmm. and quite able to hold their own against a droid army so yeah that's an issue but it's also like this black man is playing like this incredible cgi character that has changed a lot for the mm-hmm. film industry and it's like he was just doing his job which i mean i hate that phrase because mm-hmm. I was just taking orders or whatever. Yeah. Um, I was, for, I was just following orders is not great, but at the same time, like think about being a black man in Hollywood in 1999, like working with George Lucas. That's like an incredible opportunity to be in yeah. star Wars. Of course you would take it and you would act the hell out of it, whatever script mm-hmm. they gave you. And it's not his fault that this character was written to be, a racist archetype like that's on George Lucas (laughs) and everyone in the editing room and in the writer's room Mm -hmm. Ahmed Best was just trying to get paid (laughs) yeah yeah and honestly like he ended up in a worse place because of this character because of fandom um and I'm glad that we're starting to celebrate his his uh his part in the Star Wars universe today finally um let's talk about Watto yeah, so he he seems like the stereotype for every Jewish person when people like to be assholes. Um, yeah, like shady he, Jewish businessman yes. that's like trying to rip you off. Yes, and... he's stingy. He's yeah, he cares about his money, and he the accent especially is kind of what really made it. And the nose, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a big nose. Yeah. It was supposed and, to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's that's a very racist archetype arch, blah, 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 archetype about Jewish people is like, well, they have big noses and all of that. So, yeah. And all they care about is money and right. like getting a good deal. Like yeah. Billy is Jewish and he always calls himself uh, whenever he has to find a good deal. He's like, I'm being Jewish. And I'm like, oh, God, like, <laughs> can we not? <laughs> Yeah, can we not can we not do that? But it is it's totally a stereotype, like mm-hmm. being cheap or whatever, and it's stupid because it's a stereotype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's plenty of anti-Semitism out there in the world. We don't need that in our Star Wars. No. Especially one that was like positioning like Nazi Germany as being the empire in the yeah. original trilogy. Like, hello. What the fuck, George? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Make up your mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not great. Um, But it's important to remember that this was 1999. And even though there's no excuse for it, because there's plenty of people out there to give a reason why this all was bad. Mm-hmm. Like, now there's really no excuse. Like, it's all out there. Yeah. So if this continues, it's like, okay, let's not do this anymore. 
it's 2019. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's sometimes really hard to go back and watch this film because of like listening to the Nemoidians on their ship. It's like, oh yeah. God, you just like cringe. <laughs> yeah. I watched it with Chris, boyfriend of the pod, uh, a, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I was like, you know, this is like a fun beginning to the film. Like it starts off pretty high paced. And he's just like, I still can't. I, I can't with the Nemoidians. I can't. Mm-hmm. They they just frustrate the hell out of me. And for those who don't know, um, Chris is Filipino American, and he's just like, I just can't listen to them. I hate it. I hate them. Yeah. Um. So it's like, how many people of color were um alienated from this film and from yeah. the franchise because of all of this stuff that was like maybe we couldn't put put words to it, but it's mm-hmm. like a microaggression. Yeah. 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 Um, and it was just something, it's like, I don't need to be around that. Like, so I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to be into Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. I know a lot of black women feel that way. They're like, oh, yeah. Star Wars isn't for me because they don't know how to write black women. If, and when they do write <laughs> black women, they kill her off. <laughs> like, right, right. So I don't know. It's how many, how many people have you alienated Star Wars by, by appropriating, by making these caricatures, by, you know, feeding into stereotypes sad to think about I want to talk about the pacing of this film because I know a lot of people complain about the pod race scene which (laughs) is way longer than it needs to be I agree but uh, when you rewatch this film it does not feel like a super long film Mm -mm. like there's always stuff going on honestly the slowest parts are when Anakin is in the fighter in space like shooting the Nemoidian ship that feels a little odd the pacing of that feels odd but it's just because jake lloyd is a silly little kid yeah (laughs) let's try spinning that's always a good trick yeah like okay (laughs) great this is a kid's film um Mm. (laughs) but like this film like even though that pottery scene is so fucking long it doesn't feel long like it's exciting the whole time there's always something going on there's always like little like easter eggs or not i Mm -hmm. guess they're not easter eggs because technically like we didn't know who um What's her name was before this film? What is her name? Uh, Aura Singh. Aura Singh. Yeah, we didn't know who Aura Singh was, but like you see, like the sand people, mm-hmm. um, and there's just like all kinds of cool. Like you get to see the crowd, um, and like Jabba being Jabba, and it's not. There's like little things for you to look at and focus yeah. on rather than just watching people race around in circles in the in the desert. Yeah, and I feel like. Like, the quiet moments that we get in this film are super mm. important because they're, like, moments with Shmi. They're, like, quiet moments with Anakin and Padme, like, or Padme, like, talking to Qui-Gon or, you know, it's, like, important shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't understand the, the um, issues with pacing that people have with this film. No, um, I, I think it's either. just a matter of taste. <laughs> in that y'all have poor taste. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, I didn't mean it like that, but I'm I guess just that's kidding. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. You just people prefer different types of paced movies sure. than, than other people. Yeah. Like, um, for example, Billy and I were watching The Wandering Earth the other night, boyfriend of the pod. Billy, <laughs> boyfriend of the pod. Um, and he fucking hated that film. And I was like, This is great. What are you talking about? And he's like, This is like there's he like wasn't paying attention through half of it and he kept asking me what was happening, and I was just like he just couldn't get with the pacing. He mm-hmm. was like, this pa- this movie is paced very oddly and I don't like it. And I loved it. Yeah. And 
<laughs> it's it's just like I said, a matter and of he's space. wrong. So, no, he, he is wrong. That was a great film. <laughs> <laughs> you should go watch it. It's on Netflix now. Wandering Earth. It's based off of a, a novella by I do not know how to say his name. A Chinese author, sci-fi author. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, but he wrote uh, the Three Body Problem that that trilogy, and it's very good. Nice. Let's talk about what Phantom Menace means to us. Yeah. So, um, yours is nice, so you can go last because it's <laughs> like not inspiring at all. <laughs> um, Phantom Menace made me realize that Star Wars is huge. Um, it's so much bigger than the snapshot that we get in the original trilogy. Like the original trilogy is like so small compared to the prequels. Just like in the scale that you get of the galaxy, like in that scene when Padme goes to the Senate and you just see like the endlessness of the pods that are in the Senate, you're just like, holy shit. How do you even have a government? How does this government do anything? Right. Like this is ridiculous. Like, but you just realize that like, there's so much about this galaxy that we don't know. And all we know is about the Skywalkers and there's so much potential for storytelling. It just makes you so excited to be like, there's so much other shit going on other than just what's going on in the Republic because mm-hmm. obviously Tatooine is not a Republic planet and they land there and it's like, that's a whole other thing. It's right. like Tatooine has its own thing going on and there's so many other planets like that. It's so cool. Like it was so exciting to see that and know that Star Wars is so much bigger than what happens after Return of the Jedi Mm-hmm. because that's where a lot of the legend stuff was going like it was like post return of the jedi what happens after it's like not a lot of people were writing about like what happened before mm-hmm. and just to see that was so cool also like we get this introduction into jedi culture because the only thing that we knew about the jedi was from yoda and obi-wan in the original trilogy and here we have this entire council and the jedi are not what you think they are like right. they're a political they're political in in nature because of where they're at in um, galactic politics. And we also get an introduction to the actual Sith, like not just the Emperor and Vader, because Vader's a Sith, but like he's a fallen Jedi. <laughs> you know, like we know, like that he's different. He's not a full Sith, even though he is. He's a Sith. not like other like, Sith. Yes, he's not. He wasn't raised as a Sith. He was raised as a Jedi. Um, but like Palpatine, like was not raised as a Jedi. He's a legit Sith. And then Maul, same thing. Like, and it's like, whoa, what is this whole thing? Like, and then the whole rule of two thing came out, mm-hmm. and it was like, what is this? Like, it just opened up this whole world of Force beings that was like, dude, and and the galaxy that just made it so much bigger than you we ever could have imagined. And it made it exciting that there was new Star Wars. And we still have that to this day, even though we're still stuck in the Skywalker timeline. <laughs> but we'll be done with that soon. Don't worry. <laughs> but I mean, I could just stay in the Clone Wars timeline forever. Mm. Like, I love that that piece of history um, in a galaxy far, far away. Like, that's why I'm so pumped about the Cassian Andor show. Yeah, and yeah. like, anything having to do with the Mandalorian because there's so much stuff that they can pull from Clone Wars and Rebels. Like Mm -hmm. I love the Padme novel, Queen Shadow Mm -hmm. that was set in like essentially, you know, that same timeline. Like it's, there's so much that we could do with that. Oh, speaking of Queen Shadow real quick, uh, EK Johnston replied to us saying that the inspiration for the queen who comes after Padme was Lady Gaga. We called it. Yep. (laughs) 
And then we screamed about it in our text messages. <laughs> we did. Thank you, E.K. Johnston, for listening. Yeah. I don't know how you decided to listen to us. Or why. Thank you. <laughs> We're sorry. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. But thank you for also confirming that Lady Gaga is a queen of Naboo. Yes, Gaga. Gaga. <laughs> All right. What does the Phantom Menace mean to you? <laughs> My, I, I, this is literally what I wrote. Girls are badass and can save an entire planet and tell a bunch of old dudes, fuck you and get shit done. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, we, I talked about my love for Padme earlier. Um, there, When you were talking about how like Leia's setting, you know, Leia and Padme are very similar, but their settings are so unbelievably different. Even though much of Padme's story that we get to see takes place in wars. Yeah. The Phantom Menace being the liberation of her planet and then Attack of the Clones through Revenge of the Sith is her dealing with the Clone Wars. But she has that, she doesn't have the role of a soldier like Leia does. She has the role of the politician um, and trying to, she wages war with her words more than, we see Leia do in the original trilogy. We know that Leia does this. We see Leia do that in like novels and stuff like that, but not quite so much in the OT. And this is something about that really drew me to Padme. And I think among a million other things really kind of influenced me into wanting to do the work that I do. Cause the cool thing about social work is it's not just confined to your stereotypical therapy as like a counseling degree would social work is super broad because we look at the macro meso and micro level. And one of the core tenets of social work, one of the values that we strive to uphold is social, social justice um, and service and, I feel like Padme tries to embody that, and I try to embody that as a social worker, too. Yeah. That's what The Phantom Menace gave me. (laughs) I feel like after reading Queen Shadow, like, how Padme's original idea was to go and free all the slaves on Tatooine, like, she's a social worker. Oh, yeah. Like, (gasps) oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) I mean, she got pulled in a different direction, Mm -hmm. obviously, and then she died, which is not great, but... But yeah, she was totally wanted to be a social worker mm-hmm. at first. I like, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I was reading that part of Queen Shadow. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is why Abby loves her so much. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember within my one of my internships, um, you know, I had to I had to work closely with uh, DCFS, which is to Department of Child and Family Services, which is in most other states is uh, CPS, Child Protective Services, and uh, CPS systems are broken for a million and one reasons. Um, mostly due to lack of funding and underpaid and overworked caseworkers. But I remember being angry with the situation with DCFS and like complaining about it to my therapist, um, who is also a social worker and being like, I just, I'm fucking pissed. I want to fucking, I'm going to change DCFS. I'm going to burn the whole thing down and rebuild it (laughs) in a way that like it does good. It's going to be better. And it's actually going to take care of kids. And then she had to bring me down and be like, if you go into this, if you go into social work thinking that you are going to save the world and change everything, you are going to burn out in a month. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Padme has to learn. You can't take on these grand challenges and expect them to. You can have this beautiful idea of saving the world, but it's it's little things. You can't just do it yeah. all at once. 
You can, but it takes a lot of resources, yep. a lot of money, and a lot of energy. Yep. And we don't got nope. that. <laughs> I'm a social worker. I don't have any money. <laughs> Trust me, I've had extreme delusions of grandeur when it comes to reforming the healthcare system of this country. Oh, yes. Because I see it every fucking day of how awful it is. And it's it needs to be changed. And I literally was looking into like a graduate program at USC on like going into healthcare policy. Ooh. I was just like, what am I doing? Like <laughs> Part of it's like imposter syndrome of like, I can't do this. Mm. What am I thinking? And then the other part is just like, it's such a daunting task. Yeah. Like no one knows how to fix healthcare for a reason. Why do I think that I can do it? Like, what do I have that's different? <laughs> it's it's me. <laughs> mm. But we need more people like that. I'm just, I just don't want to take that plunge. Fair. Maybe someone else. <laughs> okay, I, I graduated and then like literally 20 minutes later, I was like, what if I went back and got my doctorate in a few years? <laughs> oh God. I was like... We've all been there. Yeah, Don't worry. It's really, ter- it's really terrifying to not be in school oh, yeah. oh, anymore yeah. for a while. Like we all, I remember doing the same thing. I like applied to a bunch of grad schools right after and I didn't get in. And it was kind of like the best thing that ever happened to mm. me because <laughs> I can't imagine being in grad school. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like that just sounds awful. Yeah. We're getting off, off track here. Yep. Right. <laughs> Talking about saving the world and reforming every, uh, uh, every, everything in our government. Mm-hmm. Um, we reached out, um, or like uh, you did actually, because I <laughs> you're on the Twitter way more than I am, just because I forget. But um, you tweeted out um, for our listeners to DM us or email us or just respond with how the Phantom Menace affected them and what it means to them. And so we got a lot of responses. Um, our friend Emma said. It means going to Pizza Hut and seeing a life-size Charger <laughs> Binks and seeing Anakin on Pepsi products and every boy at face painting booths getting a Darth Maul look. <laughs> yeah, that is too real. Also keeping the franchise alive for a new generation. The prequels walked so that the sequel trilogy could run. I fucking yeah, love that. Yeah, I love that too. Oh, one thing that I was going to say when we were talking about Padme and I completely forgot and that um, just reminded me is I really feel like this generation that I think you're technically a part of, I don't think you're technically a millennial, right? Yeah, I am. I'm at the tail end of millennials. You are? Yeah. Okay. Well, the next generation, the one that my sister is a part of, like all these teenagers mm-hmm. and like super young adults, like we're seeing so much activism from them God, because yeah. the baby boomers are just dropping, dropping the ball on protecting and being like civically responsible Mm -hmm. human beings (laughs) and making a country that's livable for everybody and possible for everybody to have a chance to you know the pursuit of what is it pursuit of fuck i'm the worst american life liberty and the pursuit of happiness there we go thank you (laughs) like (laughs) i'm college educated um but like it just makes me think about like how our like these kids have been watching Hunger Games mm-hmm. and Star Wars and like all of these like fictional universes where these young people are making change and like affecting their worlds and being heroes. And like that's why this shit is so important. That's why representation is so mm-hmm. important because when the adults can't get their shit together and they become nihilistic like mm-hmm. we are and just like, well, whatever, like we're all going to die anyway. Who cares? Like, the young kids are the ones that have to step up and do something about it. And that's what we're seeing now. And it's so inspiring and it makes me so excited to get all these fucking baby boomers out of office. (laughs) I mean, granted they're not all bad, but most of them are. 
and to have like young blood in our government. And I'm so excited for these teenagers to become adults and to like go out and change the world. And I, we're going to get to see that happen. And it's really exciting and it's really fun to think about stories matter and entertainment matters, especially in our country. And this is why it's important to have like representation and inclusion across the board so that we can affect how younger people think and how they view themselves in this world. And if they can view themselves in a way that makes it so that they think they can affect change on this Mm -hmm. country, like that's fucking fantastic. And it's inspiring. Yeah. That's my second soapbox. (laughs) A good soapbox. (laughs) Many good soapboxes in this episode. I got a lot of those today, apparently. All right. Um, The next one is from Renee and they say, from day one, it was so new and fresh. Of course, Darth Maul and the pod racing is awesome. It's a great start to a new world in characters. Revisiting it after seeing the new movies, it's such a big piece to the puzzle. 10 out of 10 would agree. Yes. Um, I think you should read this next yeah, sure. one. Uh, Jamie, she emailed us. Thank you, Jamie. Being like the only person who emails <laughs> us. I love it. Um <laughs> The first Star Wars movies I saw were the original three, but they were movies from my mother's era. The Phantom Menace was the start of my own Star Wars journey. While I didn't understand all the political machinations, I was only eight after all, I fell in love with Padme Amidala. She was a young girl, just a little older than me, leading a planet. I read the Star Wars Episode One journal, Queen Amidala, and became obsessed. I carried it everywhere. For a long, long while, Padme was my favorite character. As an adult, I love the politics and how it gave us our first look into the Jedi of the Old Republic. The Phantom Menace gave us Qui-Gon, who continues to be in my top favorite Jedi of all time. I'll forgive you for that. And, of course, (laughs) it gave us one of the best lightsaber battles to date. I could go on, but I don't want to ramble on your podcast. The Phantom Menace, being 20 years old, makes me feel ancient. But what an incredible ride these 20 years have been. Thanks, ladies. This was the one I was talking about earlier when I was talking about what about Padme like made me so attracted to her, except for the fact that she's pretty. Um, (laughs) 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 But like this is Jamie kind of hits the the nail on the head for me of like, of course, I grew up with the original three, but like I grew up with the, the, the prequel trilogy. And so that was very much so the start of my own Star Wars journey as well. So I feel you, Jamie. Um, Nate says, without Phantom Menace, we don't have modern Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. Um, It completely redefined the universe and how we understand the Jedi. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Without question, it is the most significant Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi. In concept, design, and scope, it will never be matched. And I I Mm -hmm. agree. Um, We haven't seen anything like it yet. And I don't know if we ever will. One thing we didn't talk about was, like, um, the amount of technology yeah. that George Lucas had to basically yeah. create to make this film possible and how it pushed forward um, technology in the film industry, not just CGI. I mean, CGI, mm-hmm. of course, but just everything. everything with like ILM like, and Skywalker Sound and mm-hmm. THX, all of that. Um, <laughs> I, I love this. Anna said, it's just a 47 slide PowerPoint about Padme. Yep. yep. There's lots so of Padme much Padme love. love. Yep. This is Padme Renaissance. <laughs> um, C.S. Conrad says, I've always liked the movie, even when everyone made fun of it. What always gives me the chills is the music from Darth mm-hmm. Maul. Yep. Uh, Qui-Gon, the Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan fight. 
The Phantom Menace was the first movie George Lucas made with CGI capabilities and that he waited for 20 years for it and it was brilliant in the mm-hmm. theater yes yeah. it was uh tristan said the biggest reasons i love the phantom menace are the gungans and the battle droids the aat is an amazing vehicle and the gungans are great jar jar is clumsy and really annoying but i love him he's an outcast <laughs> <laughs> he's an outcast who finds people who treat him with respect and care boss nass is a legend by the way well everyone re- treats him with respect and care except for the two jedi which are supposed to be the ones who are most yeah. respectful and caring about the galaxy fuck you qui-gon so fuck them <laughs> and to a lesser extent obi-wan but yeah yeah obi-wan's yeah. young we'll give him a, a pass um but padme and anakin yeah. absolutely treat Jar Jar with respect yeah. and that's beautiful um joshua says i love the phantom menace the phantom I cannot say this word today. Mm -hmm. I love The Phantom Menace for many reasons, but one of the major reasons being it is so different from the other Mm -hmm. two prequel films. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, We get this little snippet of the Star Wars universe before it gets engulfed in seemingly endless war. But we also get hints of why and how those wars are coming. I love that about Mm -hmm. this film, too. It feels very separate. Like, though it, like, it all does. blends together to make the prequel trilogy, Phantom Menace does feel very separate from Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Maybe that's why I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mutant Jedi Mouse said, no one's ever really gone, and then included a Darth Maul gif. Yeah. Too real, man. Yeah. <laughs> Too real. No one's ever really gone, and they get spider legs. Who would have thought that we would have gotten Darth Maul <laughs> in a fucking film in 2018? No one. <laughs> Nine years no. later, like, or 19 years later, like, that's Not crazy. And I, I, I'm sorry, but I will always cherish Solo for that reason, <laughs> because I love Darth Maul so much. Just that moment, just everyone in the theater was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was fantastic. All right. Thank you all so much for writing in about your feelings on the phantom menace and thank you for listening to us gush about how much we love this film and talk about the problems it has and listen to me in my many (laughs) soapboxes i apologize for monopolizing the conversation on that but don't worry (laughs) there's there's always more um you can listen to Leslie Beautiful Town on iTunes Google Play and Spotify um also if you listen web-based Um, which actually some listeners brought up to me this last week. Um, You can find us on Podbean. That's our, um, that's our uh, uh, hosting service that we use. And you can actually listen on the Podbean website, just search for us on Podbean and you can find us. Um, But yeah, if you have a, if you listen to podcasts on a phone, iTunes, Google play and Spotify, um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LBT pod um, I said it right this time. Oh my God. I like totally blanked out last episode when I had to do it by myself and I was like, Oh no, I don't know that our Twitter handle. Um, you can send us an email at lousybeautifultownpod at gmail.com. You can find me at Abby M. Cecilia. And you can find me at space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You have to mention something. Oh, <laughs> Oh shit. Thank you. I was like, wait, what do I have to mention? Um, so next week, the what is the date? The twenty fourth of May, we are doing our second campaign for SW Rep Matters. 
And it's going to be on mental health, which I know a lot of our listeners and us included, this is something that's very important to us. And so um, please participate in the conversation, Um, write a thread, write a tweet, boost, retweet, like, do anything you can um, with the hashtag SWRepMatters. I'm going to try very hard to continue <laughs> to announce these campaigns as they come out on the podcast since we are a weekly podcast now. Um, yeah, no problem. So thank you for reminding me. I got your back. <laughs> but yeah, join us in a conversation about representation in a galaxy far, far away and mental health because we got a lot to say about that in the Star War. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you later. May the force be with Bye. you. <laughs> Yeet come from like <laughs> uh, vine. What is this word vine. Oh god! Oh my god! Be quiet. <laughs> 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 <laughs>